You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. Welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast. It's a pleasure to have everyone back. If you want to find out more about the show, go to australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. And also on there, you can click on the contact icon if you'd like to send us uh, some correspondence or email me directly at australianhuntingpodcastgmail.com. All the links are on there to Facebook, uh, twitter.com forward slash ahpodcast for our Twitter feed. And uh, if you want to keep this uh, this ship going, uh, please donate to the show. All the links are on the right-hand side widget bar. Subscribe. You know, we need to keep powering forward, and certainly the donations and the weekly subscriptions uh, help. I've got Muzz with me today again here. He's back, uh, my co-host. How you doing? G'day, Jason, and uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Shooting Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that is going to fight for your rights, your freedoms, your responsible firearm ownership, and welcome back, everyone, Jace. Yeah, mate. Well, I mean, we've got a few. I've got a few people to thank before we go on. I totally forgot to mention uh, Daniel McLaughlin. Uh, if you're listening, buddy, thanks very much. He actually came up uh, with the name when I was asking for names on the Facebook page. Daniel actually came up with the name, the Straight Straight Shooting Podcast or Straight Shooting. How good's that? Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, and want to thank uh, Rob Fickling. A lot of people know Rob Fickling from Maroka 30 and Beyond the Divine. Uh, gave us an awesome donation. So uh, thanks to Rob Fickling. And uh, the other day I had a guy pull me up at the lights near my house, not far away from my house, and uh, I was waiting at the set of lights, then I get this scream out the in my passenger window, Jason, and I'm like looking out and wondering who it was, and I had one of the fellows there saying, you know, with two thumbs up, saying, great podcast, love the show, so Scott, mate, thanks very much for that, uh, really, really appreciate it, we're going to send out Scott a free uh, uh, sticker for uh, making my day last weekend, so thanks, mate, really, really appreciate it. So what's been happening, mate? How you been? Have you been any hunting? What have you been doing? Well, uh, I haven't been doing much hunting, Jace. I've been uh, quite busy with the family, but uh, I will be going hunting next weekend during a long weekend, and I can't wait. Yeah, I totally forgot there was a long weekend. Um, mate, first uh, topic here, good old... Mate, you can't even write this stuff. We've seen Barry O'Farrell, Gonski for his $3,000 yep. bottle of wine. See you, boff. Uh, we saw... Uh, Mike Baird reshuffle his uh, cabinet, reshuffle his ministers. With so we've seen uh, what was her name from uh, the Office of Environment and Heritage, Robin Parker. She got the boot too. Fantastic news! Absolutely. And you can't even write this stuff because <laughs> good old former police officer Mike Gallagher up on possible alleged corruption for uh, basically LNP donations uh, being given through a private company trying to launder, basically launder those back into the Liberal Party. Well, mate, uh, it just goes to, show, goes to show, Jason, they're crooked to the core, really. The more digging you do, the more dirt you find. And uh, this is no surprise to me, to be perfectly honest. And just recently, Jason, on the news, we've had that uh, ex-police officer um, which uh, who was uh, allegedly is uh, under investigation for murder. Oh, of, good old uh, um, Roger Rogerson. Roger Rogerson, and that's right. Yeah, exactly. And um, you thought for detectives they would have been a bit smarter than going to a storage unit with CCTV footage. Well, I mean, the guys in his <laughs> the guys in his seventies, Jason, and he's still crooked. Yeah, and uh, you know what? What can we say about that? I mean, and we we're not really having a go at police officers here. We're just basically highlighting the fact that these guys are crooked to the core 
And these are the people that are in charge of running our state and, you know, sometimes even our country. Yeah, but don't forget, Mike Gallagher was pretty instrumental in implementing in New South Wales the uh, Ammunitions Bill of 2012, which we all know has done absolutely nothing for crime. We know that. Oh, I know. All the crime gangs are spewing about the ammo bill, Jason. You know, yeah, didn't didn't actually affect components as well. But the funny thing is, I mean, him and him and this other guy, it was Archer, I think it was Archer, uh, are possibly uh, allegedly uh, putting donations or taking money uh, and donations and trying to put him into the Liberal Party through the was it eight by five? Some I don't know what it even is. Some entity or basically they don't really do anything. They just no. use that energy. It's just the front, just the front to to put yeah. these illegal donations or alleged illegal donations yep. uh, back into the Liberal Party. I mean, this guy's an ex police officer. I mean, these guys are coming up with the bills. These guys are running the state, you know? I know. I know. It's, it's just un- unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, it's always going to happen, and the corruption is everywhere. And to be honest, I'm so happy about ICAC. Go ICAC. I mean, what, a, what, an, absolute, what an absolute godsend ICAC is to, you know, go catch these people in the act, literally, and uh, put them up and for everyone to see. And uh, really, it's toppled a lot of pe- big people, and I certainly hope... Uh, it'll continue doing the great job that it is, it's doing. Yeah, but would you have thought, man, you can't even write this stuff, would you have thought 12 months ago that now we'd be looking at Barry O'Farrell gone, we're looking at uh, Robin Parker from the Environment and Heritage gone, we're also looking at now Mike Gallagher uh, up on alleged corruption or maybe up on corruption charges, uh, at least stood down from his position. He's definitely gone. Yep. So whether he gets found guilty or not, he's, he's gone. Yep. So, I mean, would you have thought 12 months later we'd be looking at the sort of political landscape we're looking at now? Uh, no, no way. I mean, no one could have guessed this. I'm, I was shocked as anyone else uh, with Barry O'Farrell, uh, you know, being gone. And, um, well, I just uh, I think there's more to come, Jason, and uh, we'll leave it at that for now, and uh, we'll move on with the rest of the show. Exactly, mate. All right, let's talk about... This one was a good one. I found it was really uh, interesting to come out from a politician, uh, bringing back uh, Cracker Night and uh, yeah. fireworks. Yeah, well, this is a uh, uh, state MP from Bor- for Borkham Hills, David Elliott, and uh, he is, uh, really wants to get rid of the nanny state in every way he possibly can. And this is great news from a liberal politician. And he's suggested to, to put in a, a bill to bring back Cracker Night. And like I said, Jace, I've uh, put a video up on this on my YouTube channel, and I couldn't be happier. I really could not be happier. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that really disappointed me about this, Jason, is I actually rang his uh, office at Parliament, and I wanted to voice my support for his idea. And I certainly, I, I did say to his, one of his staffers, I certainly hope he doesn't give up on this idea. And the staffer said, oh, no, no, we, we, we want to push this forward. And I actually asked the staffer, Jason, well, how many people have you had call in re, uh, regarding the support? Yeah. And this is, mind you, I called in two days after it was initially mentioned in the paper. And then it was mentioned the next day as well. And then also throughout those two days, it was constantly talked about on the radio. And the lady said that she had... Uh, heaps of support, people ringing in and writing emails, and she reckons about 300 phone calls, right? And I thought, oh, that's great. But really, what I really wanted to say, that well, that was really bad because, I mean, just, <laughs> just amongst that, I mean, it just shows you, Jason, the apathy of gun owners in this state. I mean, there's 300,000 of us, right, in this state. Yeah. And you've got a, a, a Liberal MP here who wants to, I guess, promote some sort of uh, return back to normality, to our fundamental rights, our wonderful traditions, okay? And out of the 300,000 gun owners that we have in this state, 
We couldn't even crack 1% of them calling this bloke and telling him what a wonderful idea it is and to bring it back. I mean, like, if we could just get 1% of guys to get off their asses and just call the MPs when when they're doing a good thing, when they're doing a great job, mate, we'd have this thing solved in no time. But, you know, only 300 people out of 300,000 gun owners? I just think that's a terrible effort, Chase. Yeah, but you, you were around then. You used to, you know, partake in the uh, cracker night. Why was it uh, canned in the first place? What, a few kids blew off their hands, we couldn't be trusted, combination of all of the above? Well, I think it was a combination of all of the above. I think primarily the police got sick and tired of dealing with incidents regarding kids blowing up other people's letterboxes. <laughs> and then you've got also the medical lobby. I call them the medical lobby. This is the, this is the most diabolical lobby out there, Jason. Every time a kid gets hurt or, you know, or, or does something silly with their bike or whatever it is, there's always some doctor calling for a ban on this or a ban on that. Oh, there's people getting hurt. And, I mean, look, obviously they do a good job in saving lives. They're a very important part of the community. But... They should not shouldn't be used to formulate public policy. Now, Krakenite was taken off us uh, mainly because a lot of people, a lot of kids were getting injured. Police were dealing with issues with people blow, getting their letterboxes blown up and stuff like that. And you know what? It was just too hard for politicians to handle. Okay, so they just said, "Nah, we're not having it. We'll ban it." And that was like the easy way out, the easy option. Yeah, but crackers. Uh, basically in other countries. I mean, this is a tradition that goes on in other countries, yet, again, it's just another aspect of our lives that the government doesn't trust us with. I mean, we're not free at all. Actually, look at all the things that we can't do that other countries are enjoying. Yep. And you know, people say things, but this is one I want to talk about too. People say, oh, but, you know, like we're shooting with guns, with certain things, oh, if we can just save it, just saves one life, isn't it worth it? Let's address that topic oh. as well. If it... Do you yep. think we should ban things based on if it just saves one life, it's worth banning? Well, absolutely not. But before we go on to that, Jace, I'm I sorry, mean, let's get into the keep on crackers. <laughs> well, that's right. I want to keep cracking on, Jace. <laughs> and uh, look, it, like I mean, how is it that Australians somehow are irresponsible, but the rest of the world can keep their keep their traditions and their rights? I mean, New Zealand still got cracker night. I mean, Canada, Canada still got cracker night. In Northern Territory, they got cracker night. I mean, vast majority of other Australian states, we don't have it. And I think that's a great shame, especially for myself, who grew up as a kid with fireworks. I could not wait to crack a night. It was something that you enjoyed. It was something that you looked forward to. You enjoyed it with your neighbours. It brought the community together. It was a wonderful tradition and a wonderful event. Sure, there was a lot of aspects where idiots done silly things with crackers. But, I mean, surely the politicians should be able to look at the wonderful wonderful things about this tradition that needs to be brought back. And I certainly hope a lot of you guys will ring up David Elliott. And I even got his number here, Jason. It's 9686-3110. So give him a call and tell him what a great job he's doing. Yeah, what was that number? Give it to him again so make sure they've got it so they can ring up. That's 9686-3110, Jason. And while you're at it too, please give Mike Baird a call and tell him tell him that you want him to be known as the Premier who brought back Cracker Night, and he's on 922-85239, Jace. Excellent. The next topic I wanted to get on, which is one we actually uh, just discussed about, actually, which is, um, you know, is it, you know, if we could just save one life, does it give us a reason to just ban these things? 
Well, Jace, the common phrase that we keep hearing over and over again on social media, oh, if it just if we can just save one life, it's worth it. Well, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't agree with that statement whatsoever. And people keep saying it. And I'm just simply sick of it. You know what? There's people out there dying in car accidents every day. Should people dying in car accidents reduce my rights to, to drive a car? No, absolutely not. I mean, there's people out there, they die trying, trying to jump out of a perfectly good plane, skydiving. Should that reduce my right to go skydiving? Absolutely not. I mean, it's just ridiculous. People over there every day overdosing on medication that they shouldn't be taking. I mean, does that reduce my right to take that medication? No, absolutely not. I mean, people will do silly things with all, with all types of um, uh, equipment, uh, vehicles, whatever it might be, outdoor recreational activities. It shouldn't reduce your rights to do what you want to do. What about, say, same thing, we've got cigarettes, probably one of the biggest killers, you know, alcohol and the, and the associated yep. issues. People alcohol, exactly. I mean, just because some guy goes out and gets completely blind drunk, punches someone in the head, the poor bloke dies. I mean, does that should that take away my right to go and have a drink? Absolutely not. We'd be pleased to know. I think they're implement. What I heard today on the radio, they're going to implement a law now. It gets worse, well, right? It gets worse that they're actually going to ban shots after twelve midnight. Well, I know it's getting uh, you know more and more like that. They're starting to clamp down on the people, and I just think it's a step backward. I mean, I think I think to be honest, what governments need to look at is if they have to install more and more laws to stop people from doing what they want to do. That's a, a, indicative of the, of the failure of government, Jason, okay? because they have failed to give people the freedoms and the rights that they're entitled to. And it's like we can't, they've got to stop me from dying. I mean, like we said, in everything that we do, right, there's an inherent risk in everything we do. You said skydiving, yep. if you want to smoke. I mean, people are getting in the city. They're walking in front of buses. Oh, but Absolutely. Why don't we ban buses? Because, you know, if, we just, if yeah. it just stops one person from being killed, it's got to be 100% worth it. The amount of pedestrians, it. Jace, that are getting killed on the streets, I mean, should that impede your right to cross the street? I mean, seriously. We're going to have to put overhead uh, passes, you know, well, so they can walk yeah. o- over the overhead so we don't have to uh, walk across the road. I mean, where, where, where's it going to end? I mean, you know, and what, what, what gets me, Jace, is the people, they listen to this argument. Oh, some guy got shot with a gun. Well, we've got to ban guns because if it saves one life, it's worth it. I'm sorry. I don't agree with that statement. Yeah, not worth it. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, people have a right to participate in sports that other people don't agree with or activities that other people may not like. Mm. Like, you know, so I, I, just, I just think it's ridiculous these people on social media saying things like this. They're absolutely absurd. Yep, another good one. I was actually, even me. I was actually quite surprised, right? On Two uh, GB, I was listening to Two GB a cup about a week or two ago, and uh, there was a game hunting food segment where I'm not sure what the company's name was. I was actually trying to find it on. Uh, it was on Chris Smith's show, who does twelve to three on Two GB. Now the art of uh, sorry, the um, radio interview was with a person that actually bought out some game uh, food meats and stuff like that like wild boar and actually surprisingly muzz a lot of people people actually rang up and said yeah they hunt and it actually got quite actually a really good run so yeah i just thought it was a, a really really great uh, radio and surprisingly there was one guy that actually called in and he goes yeah i, I went out on the weekend and I, I shot a pig in the head and i'm thinking oh i'm just waiting for chris smith <laughs> or whoever it was to terminate this phone call yeah but no the segment went for about 10 minutes 
and it was uh, fantastic. A lot of hunters called in, and it was great they were uh, sponsoring or having someone on the show that was actually promoting uh, good, healthy, organic game meats. And this lady was actually a hunter. Yep. Uh, she grew up in a family heritage of hunting and uh, the products. I did try and find it on the iTunes, uh, Chris Smith afternoon show on 2GB on iTunes, but I, I couldn't find it. It only had specific segments of the show daily, mm. so otherwise I would have sort of included it because I thought it was great from 2GB, and especially some of the people that called in with the comments I'm making. I'm thinking, this is they're going to get cut off, but no, <laughs> they didn't get cut off. So what, what do you think? Well, it was a very positive story, Jason. You know, this is all part of the good news. There's been a lot of good news this month, to be honest, uh, Jason, and a lot of positive media towards uh, hunting and uh, gun ownership in general, and including here, you've got uh, Wednesday, May 21st, on the Daily Telegraph, you've got a really good write-up on uh, Christy Pisani, uh, who is uh, going into the uh, Huntress competition in the mm, United States. Yeah. And uh, she's, uh, she's, it's a great picture of her too and uh, looks really, really good. And Christy is a happily married paramedic and personal trainer who has a hunger to be the best female hunter in the world. And down at the bottom here, she says, bow hunting is different from using a gun. She says, it's less about the result, more about the process. And she's a very keen bow hunter, and she looks absolutely fantastic. And she's a great role model for for our recreation, our pastime, our sport. And uh, good on you, Christy. Well done. And well done to the Telegraph for, uh, for actually posting something really, really positive. Hey, eh, Jace? Yeah, absolutely. Good on Christy for uh, getting out there in the media. It's good to see some uh, mainstream media content. It's always good to have the ladies in there. Looks like she, from what Muzz is showing me now, she's hunting with a bow. Not a bad sort. She looks all right. Uh, married, so sorry, guys. But, uh, yeah, great stuff. What else you got there, mate? Any other good well, positive Jason, stuff? Well, uh, Jason, yeah, we've got some uh, good news uh, around the world. And you've got Washington Shooters here. Uh, Washington Shooters and Fishers found future conservation. Uh, sorry, Fund Future Conservation. Okay, so this is a story uh, regarding uh, Washington State and the United States. And um, it says here that more than $20 million paid by sporting shooters and fishers in the U.S. state of Washington is going back to local recreational projects in 2014. The News Tribune reported that the fees and charges paid for licensing and sales of recreational items contribute to the large revenue that will ensure fishing and wildlife conservation around the country. Now, that is fantastic news, Jason. This pretty much shows you how all, all the shooting community, the wildlife, outdoor recreation, hunting community contributes a huge amount of money to conservation and to making sure that uh, our wildlife is there for future generations, Jason. And, and I'll tell you what, it's a breath of fresh air because I want to ask you, Jason, how, many, how much money do you think the Greenies have raised, mate? Uh, just offhand, a big fat zero. Oh, yeah, I think that's pretty much right, uh, you know. So, you know, the Greenies are pretty good at screaming up and down and, you know, and they, having tantrums about the environment which they, you know, so-called claim to protect. But this is a, a real tangible result by the people of the state of Washington, an excellent result. And we've got more um, news from around the world. Jace, okay, the Swedes are flocking to target shooting. Yeah? Yes, target shooting numbers are on the rise in Sweden, uh, with uh, one range recording a 400% increase in the visitor numbers since 2007. I think it's no surprise there, Jace. They love shooting. The- 
Yeah, so the, all, the, all the Nordic countries that really do love their shooting. The local Swedish news service reported <laughs> that the Stockholm range was taking in regular shooters in addition to hosting parties, corporate clients, and people who have never held a gun before wanting to try new sports. So there you go. Uh, shooting's really taken off in the parts of Europe, and uh, great news there from the United States as well, Jace. No, absolutely. Some great positive news there. Uh, what do we want to talk about? Um, a lot of people have maybe not criticised me in the past, but saying, you know, uh, I've been a bit critical of the Sporting Shooters Association in some aspects, but I've also been yep. very uh, positive in some of the things that they've done. Uh, as you're aware, we interviewed uh, Dean Mile, the former SSAA president, and uh, last week was the SSAA AGM. So to stop people saying, well, I don't really have a say on the, on the Sporting Shooters Association because I'm not a member... I actually went and joined the Sporting well done, Shooters Jason. Association of Australia. You don't thank me yet. <laughs> but we went to the AGM what, over at Five Dock, uh, myself and Mars over at Canada Bay. Yep. Saw a few guys there, Frank, uh, Michael, one of my uh, mods there on the yep. Facebook page, and uh, a few other guys there, one from the PN Hunters Club. But Yeah, it was actually a really good night, Jace. Yeah, we got some food. Uh, it was quite, a, uh, from what Mars tells me, there was more people there this year than there was uh, at last uh, AGM. Few things we want to talk about first was uh, the range. The SSAA uh, Sydney branch is trying to get a range up and running in Sydney. They yep. gave the planning or a bit of the planning to CBRE or CRBE, whatever they're called. Yep. And they've they've not come up with some ideas, but they sort of hinted towards uh, the Campbelltown area because of their ranges, the population, people are going to be moving to the area that they might actually be looking at Campbelltown. Well, yeah, Jace, they were actually uh, uh, done a great study on the density. Uh, of uh, all the shooters in the, in the Sydney Basin and where they're all located and how far they have to travel to all their ranges. And they pretty much come up with the result that they say that the, the Campbelltown slash Liverpool area would be the ideal place to build a, a new range to accommodate the needs of shooters. And uh, this is great news, guys. I mean, this is going to be a huge new uh, shooting range. They they, uh, they're talking about planning an indoor 100-metre shooting range, which is fantastic. And uh, this is a very, very positive step by the SSAA. And uh, I think it's a great uh, great move forward. And uh, I think people like James Walsh and the current committee should be congratulated. And uh, a lot of good things came out of that uh, meeting, uh, Jason. So, I mean, what did you think of the meeting? Well, yeah. My only one beef was, I had a couple of beefs actually, <laughs> but one of the beefs was one of these... Uh, sorry, members. You know, she turned up to the AGM. She was about, yep. what do you reckon, about mid-60s. And again, they continually said, this is not concrete. This is just an idea about where we're going to put the range and just yep. basically giving a density. So nothing's concrete. Mm. Now, this woman started going off about why hadn't the members been consulted? You know, maybe people don't want it. They want a, a say on where the range is going to be. And again, this was purely only a density study to find out what places they could feasibly put a range. Yeah. People started coming on to things like, well, Abella's did it very tough getting their gun shop over at Campbelltown, so they got mm. no chance of putting it in the Campbelltown area. Yep. Uh, she then, then she kept on, uh, repeatedly kept on saying, well, the members haven't been consulted on where the range is going to be. And I thought, this is why, again, the shooting community is in such disarray because people just yep. aren't getting it. And James They're not, they're not say, getting the message. Yeah, a couple of times he did say, now, there's nothing's concrete here. When we have something firm, we will come to the members and the members will obviously obviously either make a vote or will come to a decision about whether they're going to put the range in a specific area. Well, Jason, what, pe- what a lot of the members, uh, and especially some of them there that were you know, a little bit upset about not being consulted, what they don't realise 
is that when when you make a decision like this and it is a decision that involves millions of dollars, it has to be purely a business decision in terms of reaching the most amount of members, putting a range uh, that's within uh, the closest driving distance to the to the most amount of members so that you can build the organization and not to mention you have to also consider future growth. And uh, it's not about, I mean, where would I like to have the range or where would Jason Sorms like to have the range or where would, where would you know, Janice from uh, North Epping would like to have the range or whatever it is. It's not about that, Jason. It's about putting the ranges in the areas that are closest to where all the highest density of shooters are. And some people just didn't understand that. I mean, I understood it straight away. And this is a fantastic decision. It is a common sense business decision that will grow the organization in the future. And I'm, I'm all, all for it. I 100% support it. Yeah, but sometimes the older shooters, they need to get on board with change. They can't seem to handle the change for some reason. I'm not sure what it is. But anyway... Next part I want to talk about too, which was a big conjecture at the uh, AGM, was the uh, SFP donation. You mm. were at the AGM yep. last year. Uh, they're supposed to be $150,000 donated to the Shooters and Fishers Party. Fortunately, to, to date, that still hasn't happened. Um, apparently, uh, some members of the uh, possible, allegedly members of the branch, or someone reported them possibly to ICAC, the Internet yep. Commission Against Corruption, that possibly this uh, donation by the SSAA may not, in fact, be legal. Uh, James Walsh gave a speech about that. Uh, they're going to, they basically are going to honour the donation. There are a few issues that they're just trying to sort out with the lawyers to make sure they can legally make the donation. Now, this is coming yeah. from the committee. Hopefully, there will be some time in the future that the lawyers will just give the advice that it's okay to make the donation and the, and, uh, the SSAA Sydney branch will make the donation to the Shooters and Fishers Party. Will that happen? I don't know. I'm not sure what's taken so long. It's like since, what, November, the first payment mm. was supposed to be made, allegedly. I'm not on in the inner workings of when the payment was supposed to be made. Um, will they make the payment again? Well, I guess time will find out. I mean, the members did vote, and the members say they wanted to vote it to the party. So I'm not sure where, I, where well, we sit on that. Well, this is just another case of shooters being their own worst enemy, Jace. And, uh, you know, a lot of people weren't happy about this donation in the first instance, instance and I was there at the meeting. And uh, some people took it upon themselves to report it to ICAC, and unfortunately, it's been flagged as uh, some uh, potentially against the law. So, and uh, the committee have, uh, uh, I think, done the wise decision in uh, referring it to their legal uh, legal team and uh, seeing to seeing wait wait until they get back with a decision. And I mean, we all want to see shooters succeed, and I hope the donation is made. And uh, but uh, we just have to wait and see what happens. The only problem I had too was that the first person asked the question, right? Then the second person that got up asked the exact, pretty much the same question. Well, it happened about four times. Yeah, just a little bit differently. Then the third person got up and asked the same question. By this time, I'm starting to think, right, these shooters are either stupid, right, or they've got some type of mental illness because, I mean, even the committee, even James Walsh himself, you can tell he was getting extremely flustered. Because the same question just kept on, kept on getting asked whether they were making the donation. And he, he just read out a two-page yeah. statement about what the current situation was. I mean, yep. are people just not getting it again? This is what we're dealing with in the shooting community. I know people want to get the right details, but the same question was asked for the last three times. Yeah, yeah. I think people were getting frustrated. The ones who are asking were getting frustrated with the time that it's taking uh, to sort this issue out. And I understand, I sympathise with that. But uh, but James did answer the question quite well, and uh, and you know he did say that you know the committee is bound by the decisions of um, 
of the people that vote. And if the people vote to donate, then the committee will donate. Uh, but however, I think it's uh, in the best interest of the committee and the organization to make sure that they've got all their legal facts right before they donate because they don't want to get themselves or the organization in trouble. And uh, I hope it all sorts out, gets sorted out soon, Jace, but until then, we just have to wait. Yeah. My only issue is that I'm not sure how long it takes to talk to lawyers to find out whether you can legally make the donation. That shouldn't take long. I'm not, not sure why it's taken six months. And again, if they can legally make the donation, then they should. Uh, if they're not going to make it, they should just come out and say they're not going to make the donation for whatever the reason may be. But we, I, know we, I know you wanted to talk to us about, we did the interview with uh, Dean Mile, who was uh, the former... Uh, Sporting Shooters Association uh, president, national president. Yep. Um, we know several months ago, if people listened to the show, he was doing a great job in writing up how we need to advocate for shooting, keep moving forward, be like the NRA, make sure we're keeping uh, these uh, politicians accountable. And we liked what he had to say. It was fantastic. What did you really think of it, Muzz? Yeah, Jace, that was a great interview done with Dean and it really brought some in- insights into the SSAA. And I think a lot of people were shocked by some of the things they heard on the interview. Some were, some were just not surprised. And, and you know what I'm like, Jason. You know, I've been a member of the SSAA uh, for 15 years, and it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with me. I'm, I'm probably their biggest supporter and also their biggest critic. Um, and I think uh, uh, good constructive criticism is very, very helpful for any organisation. And uh, to be honest, Dean's pointed out a lot of interesting things and some of the core fundamentals, that's the things that are wrong with the organization. Like, for example, I mean, it was a big struggle to get the SSAA onto Facebook. I mean, Facebook's been around for 10 years, Jason, and here they are, these old crusty blokes who are, you know, sitting in the committees still talking about being on Facebook. I mean, can you believe this? I mean, this is this is a, a huge problem, and, and it just goes down to the core of, one, uh, of, of, of a whole variety of things that's, uh, that needs to be fixed up with the SSAA. And he also, Dean, spoke about one very important thing which I think fundamentally needs to change so that this organisation can be the, the strong gun pro-gun lobby that we all want it to be. And that is the fact that the organisation is largely run by volunteers, Jace. I mean, these are ordinary people like me and you who've got you know, jobs, families to look after, mortgages to pay and so on. And they devote hours, many, many hours of their own free time a week to run the organization. And, you know, I can really understand why a lot of these guys, when things get tough or, you know, when the workload starts to pile up, they just throw their hands up in the air and say, oh, stuff it, you know, why should I bother? And uh, this needs to change. So, you know, I think, to be honest, the constitution of the organization needs to change uh, they need to. Uh, it's it's an organisation that's got 160,000 members. Jace, they collect, you know, roughly about 13 million dollars every year from their members. Uh, I don't know how much of that money uh, goes towards running the organisation, how much is expenses, but I think 20% of whatever they make should go towards some sort of remuneration package, so that we can have proper people in the highest positions of the organisation uh, that are basically their full time job is to run the organisation and to move it forward and to fight for our uh, gun rights, our political rights, and also to make sure that the, whatever government's in charge uh, is not successful in destroying more of our freedoms, Jase. Now, we know some of these positions uh, aren't paid. 
Uh, I don't, as far as I'm Well, the vast majority of them. Yeah, when I spoke to Dean, I mean, the national president, obviously they're getting paid by, you know, if they've got expenses, they're going to meetings, they yeah. go somewhere, cars, flights, I'm not sure what they do, but uh, they're getting obviously reimbursed for those types yeah. of things. Their now. own expenditures, yeah. Yeah, that's right, their own expenditure. Now, do you think like someone like the president or these people should be running this you know, pro-gun, which you mean, you know, that's a pro-gun lobby, or you'd say well, pro-gun shooting club lobby, uh, club, do you reckon they should be getting paid for these uh, positions and running the organisation? Well, this is a serious organisation. I mean, it's got 160,000 members. The vast majority of them are members because they, let's face it, they have to be because they need they need it for their genuine right reason. reason. Yep. And I mean, what what we need to look at is we need to look at changing the organisation into an organisation where people want to be members, not because they have to be. And uh, and one of those things that one of the things that we need to do we need to look at is we need to have really good people people that are dedicated in the top positions getting paid a good a good uh, wage to uh, you know to run the organisation to really drive it forward uh, to uh, you know basically look at all the things that are happening in every state and uh, tackle them head on to be proactive in terms of our political rights. And also to be proactive in, you know, de- defending us from uh, other political parties like the Greens. Yeah, and I know some people I wanted to clear up. I uh, spoke to Dean uh, a little bit after when I was editing the show. Now, some people brought to my attention and wondered why I didn't call him on on the show, but I wanted to uh, address that. He did say in one of the things about AK-47s, and mm. I'm pretty sure basically he said that we're not sure why people should own AK-47s. But what we were talking about previous to that, I think, was about hunting and uh, yep. the effectiveness of those types of firearms for hunting, which I, I would sort of agree. I mean, if someone wants to go out with, say, an AK-47 or that's not fully automatic, let's say an SKS or a, yep. a Mini-14 carbine, some people may want to do that. But obviously... For that particular purpose, I think he was kind of right in saying, well, it may not be the appropriate tool for the job. Doesn't mean if someone didn't want to go out to it, hey, I would support their uh, use of going out and using that firearm. And people have often said in the past, they've actually said, oh, oh who, like, and this happened at the Silverdale Range. Uh, yeah. One of the guys that I see post on my page, I saw him up there on the Australian Hunting Podcast Facebook page, and he says, oh, well, who hunts with an AR-15? I was like, oh, just about like, you know, but more yeah. people hunt in the United States with an AR-15. There's probably shooters in Australia. <laughs> I know about six of my friends that yeah. hunt with an AR-15. They, they love it because they need follow-up well, shots, yeah. coyote hunting, you know, prairie dogs or squirrels. They just... Yeah, they love that sort of hunting. And to say that people don't hunt with an AR-15 is truly just preposterous. I wanted to clear that up. He didn't mean people shouldn't have them. He was, mm. was saying that it might not be the appropriate... What he meant was, and that may not have come across, that it might not be the appropriate tool for the job. And there may be other tools that may be appropriate more so for hunting. Yeah, see, I, I, I would disagree with that as in terms of it's not the appropriate tool, Jason. I mean, all you've got to do is have a look at Steve Lee's video on uh, on YouTube when he's hunting pigs with his SKS on his bike. And, I mean, it's the perfect tool for the job. And uh, we've, we've got a serious, serious uh, feral animal population in this country, Jace. It is costing farmers millions of dollars every year. I mean, it's, I see a news story all the time in the paper Feral pigs overrun farm. Uh, wild dogs destroying uh, the the livelihood of farmers. I mean, um, you know, the the perfect tool for the job is a semi-automatic uh, hunting rifle. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to have a AK-47, although I don't see why someone shouldn't be able to own one if they want to own one. Uh, but you know what? 
uh, we need to really look, have a close look at um, trying to some really, really good uh, sporting firearms, hunting firearms that are semi-automatic, low capacity, and we need to try and uh, at least have the conversation of uh, having them introduced back into the hands of law-abiding shooters. Uh, and like I said, all you need to do is have a look at Steve Lee's video on YouTube regarding, uh, uh, regarding hunting with his SKS, and you'll see how effective they are in eliminating these feral pests. I wonder if anyone's ever done a test, say, for AR-15s, because, I mean, I don't think, I mean, AK-47, I'm not saying they're not accurate, but I, I don't think they were built necessarily for major accuracy in mind compared to, say, other types of firearms. I'm not saying that, yeah, I have seen the video. I mean, he was shooting a bunch of pigs. I think it was, you know, great. So, I mean, I guess it's hard to say, really. But is there anything else you listened to in that interview that you think, I mean, would you have happy to have seen him stay do you think maybe he's stepping down he's not the right man for the job if he's stepping down and not sticking with it because we know in the past we have been critical of some things that the WSAA have done but we've also been positive now if he can't get changed I mean why would you want to stick around at a place where just the you know, maybe maybe the bureaucracy is over the top I mean how can he make a difference if the the, the main power players are not on board with change well, look, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good question, Jason. And, and everyone knows from reading Dean Miles' letters in the previous SSWA mags that he has taken very positive steps forward in uh, in actually talking to the NRA, getting some good ideas from them. I mean, NRA uh, are the most powerful lobby group in the world. Okay, not just the most powerful gun lobby group, the powerful most powerful lobby group in the world so that that's something important to think about and what they do they do it really well and the SSAA uh, should be taking uh, as many notes as they possibly can from them and that's what Dean Mile was you know I guess uh, on the mission to do but uh, there were a lot of factors against him and one of the factors is Jace I'll keep saying it look I mean we need to have good people that are paid that are paid to, to move the organization forward I'm pretty sure if Dean Mile was uh, I guess collecting a decent salary, he would have a lot of incentive to 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 move the organisation forward because it would be his full time job. Okay, it wouldn't be just something he does on the side. It would be his full time job. He'd be devoting a lot of time and energy to it, and uh, and also the the members would have the option of voting in the best people. I mean, if someone's not doing a good job, you put them on a two year contract. If you're not doing a good job. Right, the members have the option to vote them out and put someone else in that's going to move the organisation forward. And I think that's that's really the next logical step for the SSAA to evolve into an organisation like that. And that's how the NRA evolved, Jase. I mean, the NRA used to be just a, a shooting club. And in the 60s, they decided to change the way the whole organisation worked and become a very powerful lobby. So I just believe that uh, the SSAA are in the infancy, hopefully, of becoming an organisation like the NRA. Some people say too when he was there too, like you know, is it you know, it's not great that he's actually stepping down. It shows he doesn't have what it takes. But then also on the other hand, you could look at it as well as that. Well, you know, really things may be worse than what we originally thought. If you know he can't get some type of change in the organisation, that it's enough to make him walk away. So I guess there's two. You know, I mean, if I wasn't wanted where I was, you're with an employer that hates your guts. Maybe not 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 saying he was hated there. He's probably mm. he was probably well liked. But I'm just saying, if you maybe there was some issues you wanted to push ideas, thoughts, and opinions about the direction of your your employer that you worked for say mm. um you know and, th- and they were going no we're going to stick with what we're doing people get disgruntled and they say well if i can't really make change i'll move on where i can be more useful and dean does quite a lot of charity work you know right yep. now he's writing for the the black dog for depression yep. he's writing around australia he's collected quite a bit of money for uh 
mental health. Uh, there's some other things that he's doing as well, which you can listen to the, the show and uh, gauge your yep. opinion. But he's doing a lot of good stuff for a lot of different charities. And uh, you know, just a shame to see him walk away. It's the first thing we've both read in ages you know, that have um, basically indicated that we need change within our major organisations. And he's not saying just hit this organisation. All the organisations about fighting for our rights. We've only got to read the magazines and certain publications. Then you read, as you, you've come over and you yep. brought over tonight, the American First Freedom. And I'm reading these magazines. They're on two completely different huh. planets. Two completely different Mate, planets. America's First Freedom is so hard-hitting. And you're right about Dean Mild, Jason. He is, he is a really uh, he's a big loss for the SSAA. And uh, I guess he was our great white hope, but uh, it's not meant to be. He wanted to change the organization in ways that the organization wasn't ready for. And uh, unfortunately, you know, um, he, he, he realized that it's, uh, it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. And uh, he, wanted, uh, he wanted to change things straight away, and he wasn't willing to stick around to wait for everyone to come on board, which is a shame. But what can you do? Life goes on, Jace. Exactly. Before we get into our apathetic shooter segment, just want to let you guys know... Uh, we all love this, especially if you're in New South Wales or even guys from Victoria. And some guys even come down from Queensland uh, for our rice mitigation season to uh, help the farmers out on the rice. A lot yep. of you guys know this was under MPWS. And uh, when you used to sign the MPWS form to mm. get your license to basically better hunt on the rice, to get the license, you basically had to put down there and sign it to say that you're not going to use decoys and calls. Mm. Now, we all know the Shooters and Fishers Party put some bills through a couple or a year, a year and a half ago with National Parks. Now, the Department of Primary Industries uh, is now going to be taking over the duck mitigation program here in New South Wales. Yep. And uh, if you go on the DPI website for New South Wales and you go to the Hunter Fact Sheet or What You Can Hunt, you'll see ducks are there. Mm. Now, if you go to the uh, right or the, uh, the duck mitigation program, you will see uh, we can now, and go to the fact sheet, you will see we can now use decoys, uh, calls, and retrieving yep. dogs here in New South Wales, uh, which is fantastic because previously under the National Parks and Wildlife Service model, uh, you were, even though it was even in legislation last year, uh, this the last year they ran it in 2013, I bought uh, decoys, I bought mouth calls, yep. that's been about 300 bucks. I couldn't yep. use them last year. So, guys, certainly check that out. The DPI website, uh, Game Bird Hunting Mitigation Program here in New South Wales. Check out the Hunter fact sheet. You can now use decoys. It's in the fact sheet. It does say calls, decoys, and retrieving dogs are now encouraged, basically, and the harvest of those yep. ducks is encouraged. So, fantastic work by the guys at the Shooters and Fishers Party and also the DPI for, uh, I guess, being accommodating and uh, getting this up and running as soon as possible. So, 2014 is going to be a great year for our duck hunters uh, that love helping out our farmers on mitigation permits in New South Wales. Hey, good stuff. Well, eh? it's another bit of good news, Jace, and I'm very happy about this. And uh, it just goes to show, guys, it's not all bad out there. A lot of times... People are complaining, oh, the government this and the government that and the Greens and, oh, look what they've done now. But, look, we're moving forward. We've got a lot of good news uh, this month and, uh, and you know, it's uh, it just goes to show. But, uh, you know, it, it's very important, Jace, that um, we also follow this up with uh, you guys calling up your Shooters and Fishers Party, uh, calling up your uh, politicians that you know are responsible for this and giving them a pat on the back and letting them know that you're very happy about the job they've done and you're very appreciative the apathetic shooter. Apathetic shooter. All right. Anyway, that was pretty lame. <laughs> we really though. should come up with a jingle. I know. We're going to come up with a jingle. Yeah, I'm not good uh, with. I'm not really a jingle yeah. kind of guy. 
Okay, stay tuned for an apathetic shooter jingle in the future, guys. Yeah, who can, who can make us one? Can someone make us one? Anyway, this was a great uh, – this was – well, it was a great article. This is the uh, Sunshine Coast Shooting Club uh, from the Sunshine Coast. I think it's one of the uh, media yeah. outlets up there. Now, this actually started out with a really, really awesome article. This was about, you know, uh, the Sunshine Coast, how many shooters there are up on the Sunshine Coast. Now, if I just go over the page, it'll say – just give you a quick idea. Sunshine Coast – 7,560 licenses, 26,261 weapons. Gold Coast, 7,995 licenses, 38,307 weapons. Let's go to North Brisbane, 10,323 licenses, 70,743 weapons. Even our Marucci door, 1,083 licenses, 3,832 mm. weapons. So obviously there's more there. Queenslanders love their guns. Yeah, love their guns. Uh, Noosa, Caloundra, Nambour, even in Nambour, 986 licenses, 3,689 weapons. Fantastic. That's how they call it, weapons. Now, they obviously, uh, it says mm. figures provided by Queensland police show there are 26,261 registered weapons in the region, uh, which is one gun for every, every 10 residents. Marucci door has the largest number of weapons with 3,832 two registered weapons followed by Nambour with 3689 mm. now Russell Davis from the uh, Sunshine Coast Shooting Club said there was likely to be hundreds more unregistered weapons on the Sun- Sunshine Coast which is true I, I would guess it's true yep. interest in shooting was steadily on the increase with many new people enrolling in the new shooter program offered by the shooting club at Yandina another great thing uh, at the last event we held two weeks ago, 67 new people turned up, to which 70% were women. Again, this, I'm reading this article. I'm thinking yeah, this well, is great. Yeah, what a great article. Interest in guns and weapons have prompted the opening of a gun shop in the heart of the region's principal activity centre and on Aerodrome Road in Maruchador about 12 months ago. The shop received about five inquiries a day for gun ownership each day. Fantastic again. Yeah, good, good news. Yeah, this is where it goes to hell, right? <laughs> this is where it goes to hell. He was confident... The gun control rules in place in Queensland were adequate to ensure gun control didn't get out of hand or cause the kind of shootings becoming more and more common in America. Right now, I'm all of a sudden starting to worry what's next. Mm. Mr. Davis said the American rules were very different to those in Australia. And again, I would agree with that. The laws are absolutely different to America... They should, sorry, they should have more of what we've got, he said. Ah. (laughs) Now I'm starting to feel a bit ill over the next page. Now he says, you can't even use, this is the worst one, you can't even use a pen knife if it is for personal protection anywhere in Australia. And that is a good thing. Now I'm I'm really upset. Uh, If we think someone is dodgy, we, we won't give them an application form for a license and we will pass the information on to other clubs to be wary of them, he said. This is because if anything goes wrong, it comes back on us, which is a fair call. Fair call. We, have a, we had a blind fellow shoot with us. He was only 5% vision in one eye, Mr. Davis said. Anyone who looks to shoot sideways, we tell them to rack off, and they're not doing it here. Mr. Davis believed the amnesty on an unlicensed gun needed to happen more regularly to ensure more people came forward to register their weapons. There should be a permanent amnesty. So I agree with the last part. The part that really, really upset was me, where he said the laws are absolutely different to America. They should have more of what we've got. Eh, wrong answer, Mr. Davis. No. You cannot even use a pen knife if it is for personal protection anywhere in Australia, and this is a good thing. No, Mr. Davis, it is not a good well, thing. Well, I mean, you know, Mr. Davis obviously missed the figures that uh, knife crime is on the rise, and uh, our violent crime rate levels are on the rise. Our sexual assault uh, crimes are on the rise. I mean, it's a really, sh- it's a real shame, uh, Jason, that we've got people like this in shooting organisations that are um, supposedly representing us. And uh, he really doesn't understand what freedom is. 
He doesn't. He, he obviously has bought the whole uh, gun control issue hook, hook, line, and sinker. And uh, I feel I really feel sorry for him. I yeah, really. How do. is it a good thing uh, for personal protection? And that is a good thing. He's actually permitting people or ask saying it's a good thing that yeah. we are helpless victims. We're going to go in another uh, news article well, again. But- obviously, he thinks that you know if you've got anything anything like a stick on you, you're you're just a potential murderer. Yeah, but we've seen just just yesterday, just overnight at the time of the recording of this podcast, 30th yeah. of May, uh, a guy up in Badger East Creek, not far from yeah. my house, probably about 30 minutes, bashed to death, three intruders yeah. bashed to death with a baseball bat. Baseball bat. Yeah, I Mr. Mean- Davis here, uh, probably a nice guy, yeah. uh, says that, uh, again, quote on the news article, yeah. the Sunshine Coast Daily, I think it's called, uh, you cannot even use a pen knife if it's personal. If it's for personal protection, and that is a good thing, how is yeah. this a good thing? Where is he coming from? I can't understand. Well, what Mister Davis doesn't realise is at the moment, um, uh, the really uh, firearm ownership, especially with uh, with uh, handguns, is nothing more than a hobby in Australia, and that is uh, precisely the reason why it's going to be easily taken away from us in the future. I wonder if Mister Davis will be singing the same same tune that if he hears the announcement on news, oh, Greens have moved the uh, a motion to ban uh, all handguns in the country, which is likely to happen in the future. And then if he doesn't have a business to run anymore, I wonder if he'll think the same thing. I mean, uh, uh, with handguns in particular, Jason, I believe everyone should have the right in this country to own a handgun for personal protection within their own home. Um, uh, look, I, I'm not sure about concealed carry for Australia. I'm not sure if it's right for us. I don't disagree with it. I'm in favour of it. But I'm not sure if it's right for Australia. But but definitely um, to have a handgun to protect yourself in your own home, 100% I'm behind it. And uh, what uh, Mr. Davis doesn't realise, until we have these rights, until we fight for these rights, our gun ownership will always be in jeopardy. Because once people in this country have the right to have handguns to protect themselves within their own home, they will never want to give it up. They will never give it up. Uh, just like the Americans will never give up their their firearms, so that's that's an important part of it, and in, in, it'll ensure the survival of uh, such businesses as Mr. Davis. Yeah, this is a good one too. Now, Facebook, the crazies are out in force uh, uh, on Facebook, that's for sure. Now, this was and revolved around a gun control. Uh, video that was posted on Facebook. Now, this wasn't on the Australian Hunting Podcast Facebook page. This was another page. And it said, (laughs) of you are a gun owner. I think it says if. It's if you are a gun owner, you are most likely a child molester. Oh, of course. I mean, we're... (laughs) You know, we're all child molesters, didn't you know, Jace? Oh, mate. It's unbelievable. Break, I can't it? believe some of the things that people write, mate. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely appalling. I mean, who are these people? All right, next one. Uh, this was on a video, I think one of the NRA videos we had on Facebook. Now it says, uh, no one is taking our guns in Oz. We are licensed and we are controlled enough. I am sick of this US shit appearing on this page. I've traveled there which I have too, a lot of people, you know. I've mm. travelled there, and I assure you that we are nothing like them. They are right-wing nuts in the NRA, and I wouldn't touch that group with a 10-foot pole. Focus on what's good about Australia. Well, okay, some people might actually agree with this comment, but what's wrong with this comment? Oh, the first thing that's wrong with it, oh, no one is taking our guns in Australia. Oh, really? Well, the Greens are introduced a bill to take away your handguns. And if you think they're going to stop at that, think again, okay? What we've seen is we've seen a push over and over again by different political groups, even the major parties, the Greens, 
to reduce your ability to go hunting, to reduce your ability to own guns. They're pushing bills for limiting the amount of guns that you can own. I mean, what is this person talking about? Oh, no one's going to take your guns? I don't, I don't know if they're living in the same country or listening to the same news, but uh, as far as um, uh, NRA being right-wing nuts, I mean, um, you know, if wanting to have the right to defend yourself and believing in freedom is a right-wing nut, well, I guess I'm a right-wing nut, Jace. <laughs> yeah, me too. This one was another good one. This is classic apathetic shooter. Uh, this was about this was a media bias article about the media biased against certain uh, you know, mass shootings yep. uh, in regards to owning firearms just in general. Now, this person apparently used to work for a... Uh, firearms dealer in Victoria, not going to mention their name, because uh, I'm sure mm. the uh, Victorian firearms dealer probably would not want to be associated with this person because apparently he doesn't work there anymore. Uh, I know it goes against what a lot of people on this page think, uh, but I am so glad we don't have semi-auto weapons readily available in Australia and that concealed or even open carry is totally right out. And to that point that is made in the video that the AR-15 is not a problem because of the cartridge size compared to other semi-autos available in the United States. The cartridge does not make it an assault weapon. The high mag capacity, close quarter sights, tactical attachment and compact design, uh, compact design does. But that's just my view. Uh, then he posts quite a lot of other stuff, which again saying, yeah, one of my moderators, Michael, basically said that yeah, you know, we should be more like New Zealand. You now he quotes New Zealand that we're nothing like New Zealand. I'm not sure where he gets that from. Mm. And one of the sort of uh, telltale parts, which I had didn't get a screenshot of, was that towards the end he starts to get a little bit narky because he does say, "Hey, bait in a nutshell. Hey, I'll come back in five years, and uh, when you guys basically don't have any open carry, he'll just laugh at us because how pathetic we basically are." Uh, so that really showed his true colours, and uh, yeah. maybe that's why he was probably let go from this specific uh, uh, Victorian firearms dealer. Because, uh, oh, it's quite with- sad. It's quite sad, Jason, to see people like this. And uh, I mean, I've told you many times. I mean, these people are just bitter and they're twisted. They're not. They're not really. What, they're not really caring about other people's rights and firearms rights. All they want to do is just say, "Aha! Uh-huh, I told you." You know, like, "Oh, well, good on you, mate. Well done." I mean, what have you done to fight for our freedoms? You know, oh, absolutely sweet FA. So it's it's just quite sad, Jason. And uh, uh, you know, but the good news is, Jason, is that these people are in the minority. I mean, uh, a lot of people out there they understand gun ownership, they understand our rights and freedoms. Uh, unfortunately, Jason, we're just not very good at you know fighting for them. Mm, uh, very disappointing stuff, especially when he showed his true colours to say. You know, yeah, I'll come back yeah. in five minute, uh, five years, and I'll just be laughing at you guys. It was just, I mean, yeah, this is then, coming from shooters. Yeah. This is coming from, you know, other. I just, I don't know what I do. What I do. I mean, they're, read, they're, they're more, they're more, you know, interested in being right than actually doing something to improve the situation. Yeah, exactly. What I did want to read, though, is a uh, email from Mark. This was a great email. Now, this counteracts, we obviously finished the apathetic shooter segment, but this is a really, really awesome, great email uh, that we've done. Uh, this is from Mark. Well, it's not really the apathetic shooter segment, is no, it, Jess? that's right, but we've moved oh, on. This is, this is a fantastic email, yeah. guys, and uh, it just shows you uh, a, a, it's a good representation of what the vast majority of, uh, of you guys out there are thinking and uh, we really appreciate great emails like this, so uh, just listen on. Yeah, and when we have great emails, we don't mind mentioning names because it's absolutely fantastic. 
Uh, when people say stupid things, we tend not to quote their name because we don't want to draw embarrassment and attention. But this is a great email from Mark. He said, mid-40s, involved in shooting sports for 25 years, have sat on club committees and state shooting bodies, clay target for over 15 years, have hunted for 30 years, reside Victoria, occupation, airline captain. Well, aye, aye, Captain. Well done. Episode 53, he mentions this was an episode yep. of me and Mario did for straight yep. shooting. He wrote, wow, wow, wow. Beautifully said, beautifully put together. Empowering. Standing up and putting forward educated, balanced statements of truth and fact with supporting statements and data. I have only recently become a listener, but with this episode, I am a believer that all is not lost. You have landed me in the AHP boat without the need for a gaff or net. I like it. <laughs> At times, we have all felt a lone voice. Your podcast is uh, uniting for our community and lifestyle. To the Greens and anti-gun uh, brigade, I am not ashamed. Top job, boys. Keep it up, and I stand with you, Mark. Mate, tremendous bloody email. Best well I've ever had. I think. Thanks very much, Mark. We really appreciate that. And for all you guys who think that we're doing a great job, let us know. And uh, if we're doing a bad job, let us know as well. I mean, we're here to listen to you guys, and we want to make the show as good as we possibly can, and we can only do that with your input. Yeah, and we try and keep this mixed up. You might have noticed on a few of the new shows, uh, again, I'm not doing the intros with politics. That's what this straight shooting podcast is for. We're trying to separate the politics into one show and keep all the everyday hunter and guests in another show. I know people sometimes say there's too much politics on the Facebook page. I know that's not for everyone, but again, we need to keep up with our rights, guys. People need to be kept informed about what's happening, not only here, but around the world, and people need to understand, do they really honestly think that if the National Rifle Association, it doesn't even have anything to do with them, do you really think if the Americans fall, we're not going to be far behind? It will be all over the media, it'll all all over the news, and people say it's not going to get any harsher here. If you think that, I think you're kidding yourself, because if America go down, we're not going to be far behind for further gun control measures it's just a fact and i know we bang on about the nra but again we do a lot of stuff on the facebook page stuff from canada new zealand australia Um, again it might be a bit political but because that's a lot of what we're dealing with Um, i'd love to hear about more hunting stories please send them to me email me i'm happy to put them on the facebook page and talk about them during these podcasts but again we need to keep on top of it we need to keep our rights and you know people that don't understand that the nra are just kicking goals and kicking ass literally yep um I don't really know what to say. And this is why Australia is in the position that we're in because of apathetic. The Americans aren't apathetic. Yes, they do have the Constitution, but they fight hard and they've got 6 million members in that organisation. That's right. And you've only got to read their magazine to see how hard-hitting they are. They don't take any prisoners at all under any circumstances. And some people say, well, you know, the answer isn't more guns in school. Well, I can tell you the answer is definitely not less guns in school because you're making a playground for... Uh, these mass shooters, and again, like I said, we've just seen one again, which we're going to talk about in a minute, at Isla Vista shooting in Santa Barbara uh, by this narcissistic piece of garbage. And this yep. again, you just need to keep fighting. It wasn't, you know, he didn't do You've only got to watch the videos with this guy. But anyway, my point was, um, again, stick with us. Again, we're still doing all different facets of uh, hunting, yep. shooting, and fishing on the Australian Hunting Podcast. We're just trying to segregate different shows of politics to our regular show. But anyway, that's awesome. Um what do we got next, Muzz? Uh, let's talk about, uh, well, let's go into that one, actually, yeah. while we're here. Elliot Roger, yeah. uh, the son of one of the directors who directed The Hunger Games, actually, or was one of the second directors on The Hunger Games, I should yes. say. 
seven dead, including the uh, perpetrator. And you've only, if you go on YouTube, just type in Elliot Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, the Isle of Vista shooting, seven dead. Now, they're saying this is a max shooting. First off, they're wrong. No. I'll tell you why they're wrong. No, they're wrong. Three people killed with a knife, three uh, with a handgun, or technically four. And one ran over himself. a car. Yep. So the interesting part about, I mean, you've only got to watch the videos. This guy... I mean, he seems just like a really lonely guy, and basically because he was a 22-year-old virgin from California. But just the narcissism from yeah. this guy has shown that apparently he was the ultimate gentleman. Uh, yeah, he's got a BMW. He's got $300 pair of sunglasses. Why wouldn't be women interested in him? But he even looks like an yeah. awkward, <laughs> disgusting well, this, little this, man. There's a very disturbing mind behind this uh, behind this uh, young bloke to, uh, who done this despicable crime. And, uh, you know, you can see that he's absolutely lost it. He's uh, so disturbed and uh, mentally ill that it's, uh, you know, it's it's not even funny. And uh, what he's done here, he's killed three people with a knife, three with a gun, and ran over someone. But the headline is, oh, we need more gun control. I mean, really, under under American, I guess it was like, like an unwritten rule, they usually class any more than four people is a mass shooting, and he's killed... You know, three people with a gun, they call it a mass shooting. They're forgetting the fact that he stabbed three people. Everyone's calling for gun control over there. No one's calling for knife control or BMW control. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's unfortunate this this has happened, and I feel for the families. But, uh, look, a lot of people are saying, you know, well, we need to do something. We need to do something about guns. I mean, how about we do something about the psychos? I mean, uh, his father told told the police I think, uh, yeah, two weeks before. The funny know. thing is he told him two weeks with the family because yep. he was posting these videos. Even before he committed the crime, Mate, he posted he, the video exactly. on YouTube. He told people on the video that he wanted to kill these people. Uh-huh. And, I mean, he was clearly mentally disturbed. Father uh, reported him to the police, Jason. The police came over and done absolutely nothing. And then he went on with his killing spree. I mean, and now all of a sudden the law-abiding gun owner has to fit the bill. I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. And uh, you know what? The lefty media in the Jason, in, in United States, Jason, has uh, dropped this story like a hot potato. Uh, they're not really focusing on it anymore because they're getting a lot of uh, flack from people that are they're pretty upset with them with their negative stance on uh, you know on the gun ownership issue with this guy who was clearly disturbed. I mean, no matter what happens, Jason, in society, you're always going to get people that are wacky. And you're always going to get people that, you know, have got something from some sort of mental illness. You can never stop them from committing heinous crimes, whether it be with a, a gun, a baseball bat, you know, or a knife or whatever it might be. And, you know, this constant attack on uh, on gun owners, especially in America, is uh, is really just people are just over it. They're not even listening to it anymore. The worst thing was not even four hours, I think four or six hours after uh, the shooting took place, one of the guys that died in the uh, deli, uh, Chris Martin, I think he was 20 or 22, I think he was 22, the dad came out and said, oh, it's the politicians, and then says, the politicians and the NRA are responsible for his oh, son's death. Oh, of course, death. it's the NRA's fault. You know? I mean, just really, just it, unbelievable. It's it just didn't un- take long, did it? Oh, of course, it, you knew it was going to happen, and uh, I just don't know how these people, you know, how do these people, uh, they just simply can't face their own failures and they just got to blame someone else all the time. They cannot take responsibility for their own action or inaction. You know, this is a guy who threatened to kill people on the internet. Then the police came over, done nothing. The father done nothing. 
And, I mean, all of a sudden it's the NRA's fault. I mean, give me a break. I mean, I think a lot of people who can think straight, Jason, can see straight through this. Now, do you want to know what the kicker actually is? You want to know what the kicker is? What's that? Well, we know his dad was the director of the Hunger Games. Anyone that knows the Hunger Games, it's about basically where they kill each other. It's an extremely violent movie, Jace, you know? (laughs) But no, but the kicker is here is actually through the guy's father. I can't remember what his father's name is, but the father has come out through the lawyer basically saying uh, Mm. that they don't like guns and they're actually for gun control. Uh, This is the whole part through the lawyer. Now, actually, when I post this, I will post a link to some of those articles uh, on the blog post on the Australian Hunting Podcast uh, website when we actually, this actually uh, goes live. But, yeah, I mean, a guy that's actually second director on a movie, but, again, you know, it's hard to say, again, because of movies that people go out and kill people because of movies, but it's quite hilarious to say that he's for gun control uh, through his lawyer, uh, but then happy to put out uh, these uh, very violent movies where people are killing each other for a sport. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the hypocrisy is just absolutely astounding. And uh, and there's one, uh, actually, Hollywood movie producer who's coming out. He was saying to the NRA that he's going to bring out a motion picture that's going to really expose the NRA and all this. And, you know, he's talking, talking it up here, you know. Ooh, and, I mean, this is a guy <laughs> who's directed some of the most violent movies in the history. And I'm not against violent movies. I love them. You know what I mean? But the hypocrisy of these people, oh, yeah, I'll direct a movie where I'll show hundreds of people being killed and then I'll use the money to, you know, try and tackle the NRA and I want gun control. I mean, just the sheer hypocrisy is unbelievable. Yeah, and I'd love the sort of NRA on this issue to actually come out and just say nothing. Just uh, go about our business because, again, what's this uh, uh, mass shooting got to do with the National Rifle Association? Absolutely nothing because they advocate, again, for self-defense, for people to defend themselves with a firearm, for private ownership of firearms. And again, I can't understand why people are against, A, private ownership of firearms. Uh, like in Australia, we had eight, we got over 800,000 gun owners. People aren't going around killing people. Police aren't going to people's house for random checks and getting shot by law-abiding firearms. Exactly. Owners. They're not shooting their wives. If it has, it's a very, very rare occurrence, and you're not really hearing about it. No. 800,000 gun owners, you're never hearing about this kind of stuff. It's always people illegally doing the wrong thing, getting firearms from where they shouldn't, and committing these atrocities. And again, I said, if you watch these videos on Elliot Roger, man, yeah. especially the last video where he says he's going to kill people, it's quite chilling, especially his last his, his laugh, this little punk, you know, he, mm. Absolutely amazing. And I mean, if only, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but only if someone took him to the local uh, you know, sex parlor or something, he might have been better off, you know, he might just to get some love from a woman, he might have been a lot better off. I know, it's unbelievable, eh? I mean, look, well, we just got to keep an eye on these people, Jason. Uh, I guess ho- hopefully the next loony uh, will, will be stopped before this happens. All right, guys, we're just going to go to a quick break uh, to finish off the show soon. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Stay there. Well, folks, it's that time of year again. Huntfest is on in 2014. What is Huntfest, you might ask? Huntfest is New South Wales' biggest southern hunting exhibition. Huntfest in 2013 and 2014 had to rally the Naruma Council to allow Huntfest to go ahead for a second year. Even beating the Greens twice at Council continue the rich hunting culture in Naruma. On show at Huntfest this year includes firearms displays, 3D archery shooting, hunting and camping equipment and much, much more. Huntfest will also be running their very popular photo and video competition again, so make sure you get your entries in early. 
Exhibitors on show in 2014 include the Shooters and Fishers Party, Abella's Gun Shop, the Australian Deer Association, Sporting Outback Supplies, South Coast Hunters Club and many more. If you'd like to be an exhibitor at Huntfest in 2014 and support the hard work of the organisers at Huntfest, then call Dan Field on 02 4473 7035. Dates are 7th and 8th, June long weekend, Naruma Sports and Leisure Centre, right next to the roundabout. You can't miss it. Costs are $10 for adults and children under 16 free. For more information, go to huntfest.com.au. Huntfest, the place to be in 2014. Now, closing the show, everyone, I just want to remind you it only takes 10 minutes for you to change the country. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Quite simply, it's all about you guys being involved in the political process. And it can be something as simple as just ringing your local member. Put your local member's phone number in your phone. Put the phone number of the Premier in your phone, his office. Give them a call whenever they're doing something good. And also give them a call when you don't, disagree, when you don't agree with something. It's about being politically active. It takes 10 minutes of your time. And you only have to do it once or twice a year. And that's going to go a long way to changing the country. Absolutely, mate. Good stuff. We hope you guys enjoyed uh, this next episode or this episode of the Straight Shooting Podcast. Uh, again, there's so much to talk about, so little time. We try and keep these podcasts to around you know, a bit under an hour, but normally we, me, me and Mars always go over an hour because there's actually so much political stuff to talk about, so much happening. A lot of content, Jason. Yeah, a lot of content. Sometimes even we can't even keep up. You know, Mario's got a family. I've got a, we all both got a jobs and we've got to work. We do this on our own back again. So if yep. we can't stress enough to keep this shit moving forward, we don't want it to be like the Titanic and go down and hit a glacier. You know, go onto the website. Please donate to the show. It's really important. Uh, do get a subscription on PayPal. A few bucks a week, a couple of bucks a month. There's a few different options there. It really, really helps. And if you listen to the show, and there's a lot of people that listen to this show, there's thousands every week. Uh, and we'd love to see just people that support the show, uh, that love the show. It would yep. you know, really, really be helpful, of course. You know, jump on the website, go to our social media, join us on Facebook, Twitter, all those areas. So I guess, uh, as usual, I am Jason Selms. And I'm Mario Blatka. See you next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.